Hey friends, before we start this episode, I want you to know that this was recorded prior to all that has happened in our country over the past few weeks. I want you to know that here on Chronically Cultivating, we support you, we stand with you, and we absolutely agree that we need to be talking about what is going on in our country. This episode is going to talk about grief and loss, more specifically related to COVID-19 and all that has gone on in that. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I look forward to continuing to support you and talking more in depth about what's going on at another time. All right, friends. So last week, we talked a lot about scapegoats and COVID-19 and kind of what do we do when we're facing challenges and all these other cracks get exposed. Great as that was, something that I also wanted to follow that up with was how do we handle these losses? What do we do? What do we do with these promises that we read in the Bible when we just seem so lost and the whole world is kind of upside down right now? So I have an amazing friend with me who I cannot wait to introduce you to, and we are just going to talk about grief and loss. And remember, we don't play the comparison game here on Chronically Cultivating, so take a step back, take a breath, and let's get ready. All right, friends, I want to introduce you to Renee. She is a great friend of mine. She did one of the sessions that I was at at a conference this year, is also a good friend of my mom's. And as soon as I was in her session and heard her speak, I was like, I've got to bring her out to meet all of you guys. So Renee is a pastor's wife, a mom of three, and she's also a life coach. She has done a lot in helping people through their own grief and loss. And after we had spoken so much last week about all that went on with COVID, I thought that we should just have a chat right here and really talk about this hard stuff. So welcome, Renee. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I am excited to be talking about this with you today um, because you have helped me so much with my own grief and loss and to be able to bring this to the table where I think there are so many people struggling with grief and loss in ways they never had to prior to all of this. It's all very different now, isn't it? Yeah, the world is not the same world it was when you and I last met up in person, that's for sure. No. (laughs) One of the things that you and I had a conversation about a couple weeks ago that I think was so needed was just, you know, we started talking about the comparison game and that's something I'm very open with here on this platform because I just believe that comparison is a thief of joy. But I also think that it can hurt us when we're trying to process grief and loss because we put things on a scale and yes there hypothetically is a scale but that doesn't change how you need to process something individually that's true some people feel that losses such as like the big three d's like divorce um death disease that those are are huge we have to grieve those those are deep and really really challenging But there are other losses in our lives, and that can be a a loss of freedom, a loss of choice, um, a loss of your job, could be a loss of a pet, could be uh, just, you know, the loss of of finding your own voice in in different things, anything like that. Um, You can't go out right now. You have to wear a mask. Well, I don't have to wear a mask. I have rights, you know? (laughs) So there are a lot of things that we grieve, and, and you can't 
you can't have like a scale, you know, oh, it's, it makes sense to grieve if you lost someone, but it doesn't make sense to grieve that you simply have to wear a mask. That's ridiculous. That's not true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that has been really prevalent is that there are a lot of seniors, I know, especially right now, athletes, I mean, there are people that that was their senior year, that was it, that was a huge opportunity. And I've been really saddened to see that, yes, we have been embracing graduates, but I have also seen different opinions from others where they're kind of like, okay, you lost your senior year, or you lost being able to be away at college or whatever it is, but at least you didn't have a relative that died of this virus or that you haven't died. And I agree, both are terrible things. Like someone passing away due to this virus is horrible. It's very sad. Also so sad that you missed your senior year and you missed all those things you wanted to do. And I I think we've got to put a stop to saying, well, at least (laughs) I don't think that helps anybody. Yes, I agree. I agree. For, For a high school senior, for a college graduate, I mean, you've lost the acknowledgement. That's our sense of self that goes deep. You know, it's not an ego trip. It's look what I've done and and how how people can celebrate uh, the the acknowledgement and acknowledgement how of the effort that they've made and the, the time they've put in. They've come so far. They've done a great job. And there's a new part of life about to begin. Well, now they don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, not in the same way. That's a huge loss. That's a huge loss. So there's there's no scale. There's no scale. Yeah, and it's just something where, I mean, even as someone who has dealt with, you know, I called you recently because we had had our dog pass away, and I was very just kind of in that feeling of, is this really something that I should be grieving in a time like this? And you texted me back and you were like, yes, in all capital letters, because it was just like, it still counts. This is still hard. Like these things are still tough. Absolutely. We especially, we don't even have the chance to go up to someone. Like when I met you in the conference and we sat down at a table and we just talked for a while, like we can't do that right now. No. We don't meet people like that and we can't just put our hand on their shoulder or give them a hug and say, I am so sorry. Like none of those things are happening right now. So I think it's also questionable of how do we, how do we help other people through grief and loss right now while we can't actually physically interact with them? You know, the funny thing is, because you started this thing, there isn't really a scale of of what can be grieved and what is nonsense about, you know, grieving certain things. That's a, a perfect segue into this. It doesn't matter if you're simply grieving the loss of a, a touch from someone that you, you want to be friends with, a handshake, a hug, anything like that. That's important. There's more complexity to what you've lost. And so it, it you can't compare like that. You can't compare like that. I think that because God's an ever-present hope in trouble, you have to realize that God, who knows the number of hairs on your head, um, consider your losses something that matters to him. Mm-hmm. He is your father, your loving father, right? And so he wants to hear from us, no matter what the level of grief is, you know, and I say level in quotation marks. It doesn't matter. It's very, very important uh, to have that time, to take that time to grieve, right? 
Well, and something that I think um, has been a lost art that I know I have been really enjoying lately is writing people cards and basically sending that message and just kind of being like, hey, I know you're going through a lot right now and I'm here for you or taking the time to FaceTime. Of course, I wish that they I could just go over their house and visit or they could come over mine. Um, but I think it is important to know that we can still check in on people. We can still talk to people. But as we go to talk with other people who are dealing with grief and loss, especially when we're facing it ourselves at the same time, I think there are some, how do I put this? There are some better ways to talk to people. Now, I'm not going to say do's and don'ts, but I do think there are some better ways that we can do this because it's a struggle to figure out how we best connect with people. And we don't want to say too much or not say enough. Uh, and I know you have a lot to say on this and how we communicate with ourselves and other people when they're going through loss. So I think that listening is one of the most important gifts that we can give to someone who is grieving a loss, no matter what the loss is, just listening to them telling them their story. And even if they just casually mention it in a text or on a group game, or like you're on Jackbox and you're Zooming, you know, casual mention. Hey, tell me more. What's going on there? You know, and allow them to process without interruption. And don't jump in there with your own story. This is their time, right? You offered to give that gift of listening. So it's really important to just be quiet, maybe ask a question, uh, and remember, you're not there necessarily to fix it, only to hear. And possibly, uh, maybe they would want you to pray with them. Mm -hmm. You can't hug them. You can't touch them. That's a very limited thing for us right now. But you can embrace them in a sense spiritually with prayer, knowing that God's love can kind of envelop them, you know, as you're, um, as you're together, it, it unified in prayer. It's a wonderful thing. And just to be heard. Oh, what a wonderful thing that is. Just to be heard. It's very healing. And that person may need to tell their story more than once. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, sometimes for other people, it is helpful for them to hear your story, but give them the opportunity to ask you for it. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that, you know, has been really pressed into my mind since I had met you and spoken with you because I was like, man, how often do I just in effort to help? It's not to just talk about my story, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe that will help, but maybe, maybe it will, but maybe that's not what they want to hear right now. Or maybe that's not the first thing that they want to share. Yeah. And they want to just let me listen and just sit there to go, man, that sucks. I mean, in that communication, like you said about not being there to fix it. Um, my husband and I, when we were in premarital counseling, um, I don't even remember what was going on. I had a lot of medical things go wrong right before our wedding. And it was right after I had had a double shoulder like dislocation and I was on the couch and it was like at least less than a month away from the wedding. And I just was having this massive freak out and just wanted to be super upset. And um, he naturally wanted to try to fix it. And I got more angry, which of course led us to over the phone. We were talking with our counselor about it and they were like, well, 
why do you think that is? And Jared was like, well, I was just trying to fix it. And I was like, well, I didn't want you to fix it. I wanted you to just listen to the fact that I was mad and I was frustrated. So to this day here, we're two, we're a little over two years later. And it's something where for him and for I will go, if we know we want to talk about something and we maybe at that moment don't want solutions, we don't want thoughts, we don't want in, not even encouragement. Sometimes you just want someone to listen. We'll start our conversation with, hey, I'm really upset, but I just want to vent to you right now. And that simple act of communication, that one sentence has changed how he and I communicate in the best way possible. That's excellent. My husband and I will do this kind of a, hey, and, and we're just, we start off. We, there's, a, there's a rant. There's a rant. And at the end, the other person will say, do you want me to fix it or just did you need, need a, a listening ear? Mm-hmm. And just ask that, that act of communication that two-way act sometimes all all we want is empathy Mm -hmm. someone to understand where we're coming from even if you don't agree with that that perspective (laughs) so yeah and you know one of the things um that Renee and I both love is context uh we're very big (laughs) in the context of the bible and uh one of the questions that I received from a listener recently was just what about God's promises in the bible in a sense of okay because I'm not seeing xyz um where in the place that I'm in in my relationship with God you know I've been looking at this quarantine and other things and I've gotten to a point in my illness where I'm able to say all right God what are you going to do with this what good can come from this but I also take note that for anyone hearing from me now you were not hearing from me 10 years ago or even five years ago when I was kind of in my own standoff with God and I was not ready to be there. So I want you to know, first of all, if you're starting to hear me and you're going, oh no, she's going to do it. She's going to start talking about how good things are despite this. I totally get it if you're not ready to hear that. And if you don't feel that way, because that is 100% valid, first of all. (laughs) Uh, And I think you can agree, right, Renee? Like we have to wait to be in that place. Oh yes. Oh yes. (laughs) Um, and you know, I was, I've just been reading my Bible and, um, having this discussion about Jeremiah 29 11, because, you know, I'm a big, um, fan of debunking the positivity prescriptions. I don't like to just someone to slap on that positivity and just say, we need to ignore it and forget it. Cause that's, you don't like to be positive. Well, (laughs) you know, it's a hard question to answer because there's positivity and joy that comes from the Lord, but that also doesn't mean that we're just going to neglect to grieve the situation we're going through. We don't want to bottle those things up because that doesn't help anyone. And I've done both. And I can tell you that was not successful. And, you know, something that has been so interesting in reading through is just kind of, you know, I've seen a lot of picture perfect Bible verses sent around and they are beautiful pieces of scripture about being still and just letting the Lord fight for us and all these other things. They are true. They are great. They are fantastic. But what about when we are not seeing that promise in our own life? Now I'm seeing certain things that I'm grateful for quarantine for, and I've talked about them a few times, but then I also have to say, well, does it outweigh all the bad stuff? kind of not and even with my own illness I would say that there are things so good that have come from that but does it outweigh having all of these things be us mm, on an earthly world probably not but we were just talking about Jeremiah 29 11 which is one of the greatest promises and for those that don't know the verse um directly the verse says 
For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. And there is a whole backstory that you might not know. I don't know if you want to start sharing on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're in captivity, okay? And um, they were carried into exile from uh, Jerusalem to uh, Babylon, I believe it was. And, um, you know, <laughs> they, they were going to marry and, and have kids and have, have lives, you know. But uh, being in exile, um, I think... I think they were saying, okay, where, where are you, God? This is exile. We don't have choices. We don't have freedom. And we're supposed to be the chosen people. So what happened, you know? And in the midst of that, this verse comes up. And I love that, you know, something that comes of this verse is that this verse was not said to them after they had gotten through captivity. This was given to them in the same context of, okay, so you're going to be going into captivity and slavery for 70 years. But, and then he says all of those things. Right. And I think we love to just throw that piece of the verse around because it is a great reminder that God is very intentional. He does know the plans he has for us. He plans for good for us. He plans for a future for us. But they heard this in the middle, the beginning actually, of this long captivity. I mean, think of how many people would not be there to see that promise fulfilled in 70 years. There would be a ton of people. And I look at this now and I know that we're about 10-ish weeks into quarantine and I know everybody's tired. I know that this is really hard, especially if you're on your own and you want to be back at school or with your family or your church family. There are so many things that are being missed and going on right now. And something that my mom has said since the beginning, and I think she said it on the one of the episodes we did here uh, on quarantine, was just this social distancing and these rules right now, this is a short-term goal for a long-term outcome. And I know that we would like to think of short-term as maybe just a couple weeks or maybe up to now where we've had about three months, but that isn't short-term. To us, looking way back in the scope of the entire Bible, this captivity is just like a blip on everything else. But I'm sure that they, years. <laughs> yeah. But I am sure that they did not feel like that 70 years was a short-term goal for a long-term outcome. Right. right. Just like what we're feeling now. Yes. And, and notice that, um, as you said, they had 70 years to look forward to, you know, and he says, it, it, I have a hope, I have plans, I have a future. Yeah, but I don't see that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where's, are you lying to me? <laughs> you know, are you lying to me? But notice what he says then. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to, to, to mention that or, or yeah, I go should go for it. it. But that's verse 11. You don't stop there. You don't stop there. there there's, there's verses before it. There's ver verses after it. That's what we call context. We want to know what, he, what we're talking about, right? So mm -hmm. the Lord had to finish his thought. It would be like I interrupt Cassie and say, um, so by the way, there's a cat outside the window. You know, you don't want to stop. You'll miss part of the, mm -hmm. the story there. And he's in mid-thought. He says, then, okay, so plans to prosper you and plans to give you a hope in a future, then, 
There's a, see, he's finishing the thought. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll find me and I will bring you back from captivity. So there's a, there's a little bit more to that. I'll gather you from all these places, you know, from, and, and back to where I wanted you to be, back to where those plans be, uh, can take off. So <laughs> now we're kind of in that captivity in a sense, if you want to put it that way. Don't you feel sort of like a captive? We're stuck in quarantine. We have to wear our masks, masks if we're out uh, and about, and there's a good reason for that, right? Mm -hmm. But there is hope, and God is not saying, you know, well, um, while you're in captivity, you know, I'm drawing up plans, <laughs> right? I already have plans. They're in motion, and this is part of that plan, and this hope while you're in captivity, right? So there is a future. There is hope. There is going to be an end. You know, it's context is so important. Mm -hmm. And I think in this too, what just blows me away is that the promise comes with also an expectation of us mm -hmm. because, you know, God doesn't just say, all right, so, well, he does just say it first, you know, I know the plans I have for you, all of that. But then, as you said, adding context, finishing that sentence, he talks about how you're going to pray to him and he's going to listen to you. And if we're going to look for him wholeheartedly, when we do that, when we when open we, our hearts yes. yep, and we do that, he says, I will be found by you. There's work that we have to do on our end. And I want to finish this captivity and be able to say like, yes, like I looked for the Lord wholeheartedly in this time and I found him. I knew him. I was with him all those days that I prayed, Lord, can you help us find what we need to be able to make life more normal? Like none of those prayers are just going to be things that I assumed bounced off the wall. He heard every single one of them and he will make that known to all of us. Yes. It's been, it's so hard when you're in this kind of quarantine, it's so hard. You've lost your freedom. You've lost some choices. You, you've lost, um, there's nowhere to go. So that you've lost that, that sense of meaning in a sense. There, you can't even go out to entertain yourself. It's Netflix or die or it's Switch and games and, you know. But all yes, all the things. And there's more to this life. Seek him, right? Connect with him to find that peace. Um, so it's just so important, you know, there's five stages of grief, you know, that there's, there's that denial and the anger and the bargaining and the depression and, and the acceptance eventually, and it doesn't all go linear. It's, it, it can happen over and over again. It can happen. You can bypass the anger part of it. You know, there's just so much, you know, um, it's just, it's just so important to understand that if you don't connect to him, you know, then, then you're going to kind of compound going through all of those um, expressions of the grief, the process uh, of, of acceptance, um, you know, and adjusting to these losses. We have a chance. This pandemic is almost like a reset for the entire human species, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have choices here. Uh, we have a choice to respond to this, right? And to, to understand that you seek him for that 
joy, that God-based joy, right? Not situational. And, and you, you, or you can choose to, uh, to complain and murmur like the Israelites did when they were wandering in the desert. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. And friends, you can do both. Sometimes both happen. Yes. And they're all a part of that. You know, I think what's so crucial about what you said, not even about this pandemic as a whole, because friends, when we talked about doing this podcast, there was no pandemic talk <laughs> going on. Um, but something that I think is so, so crucial about any grief, any just event that has happened, that life-changing thing, right? Like you can go through that process, have it be bounced around wherever it needs to be, but you may need to go through that again. Yes. And at times it's not perfect. And I think that's something where in dealing specifically with chronic illnesses and whatnot, I find that many have a really hard time apparently understanding that word chronic. And, you know, like I've seen and heard from lots of people who had churches support them for the first few months and then it's ongoing and people are just like, well, I don't understand. Aren't you better now? Where I thought you've accepted what happened. Why are you crying right now? Because you miss being able to do this. It's like, well, because it, it's a lifelong journey and it's a lifelong acceptance. And there are going to be times where we don't feel like we can carry the weight of what's happened, but that's where it's so important for us to be encouraging others and for to make sure we are receiving encouragement because we were not meant to carry these things. But if yes. we don't give them to God and have other people help us with that, not only for ourselves, but we're not helping others. We are not, we are not being as helpful and as good of a friend as we can be. Yeah. So chronic, chronically ill people need chronic support, right? <laughs> I love that. Yes. I love that. It's, you need a chronic ministry team. You know, you need people around you, uh, parents and siblings and little dogs and, and, you know, you, know, you need a, a support group at, at church, people who are going to uh, be with you constantly. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, what a wonderful, beautiful support team that she has. And they understand uh, sabbatical. They understand switching people out so there's no burnout. And that's important around people who are chronically ill because they're very susceptible to burnout. And you, you need to always have someone who's there to kind of um, in, insert that little bit of fresh air, you know, in a sense, in their personalities and, and uh, to redirect your focus and your mind into those things that are in Philippians 4 which are to think about things that are lovely and noble and pure and, oh, just redirect that. Oh, there's that positivity again. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord, right? Really important. That's the positivity that's so important. And I think that's the biggest difference is that when positivity is coming from a worldly perspective, it is about us. It is about us creating our own happiness, yes. our own happiness. And it was something uh, we unpacked earlier this year um, where Cynthia Fantasia was actually here yeah, with us. And that. yeah, she's so great. And we just talked about how we don't need to be full to have joy because she really explained, you know, her whole just process about um, being joy filled because she doesn't need to be full to have joy. And she 
build with him. Yeah. And it was something that she has drilled into me over these past few months that has been so life-changing because that is, I think, something that has been really prominent in my mind in this time. And Jared and I were, uh, before we started church this morning, uh, we were just sitting down and in our sunroom and we were like, you know, how are you feeling? We were just kind of checking in with one another. How are you feeling about quarantine right now? Like, especially I'm used to living life at home. He is not. So this has been a very big transition. And he was like, honestly, like this, we're okay. He was like, because this, this hasn't stopped our joy. And it was just such a good reminder that like, yeah, we actually, all these weeks in, we're feeling really joyful. And you want to know why we're feeling that way? Because our joy is not based on circumstantial things. Because right now, there is not a lot to be joyful about. <laughs> I mean, we are working hard to seek out good, right? We're, we're watching funny movies. We are laughing at pets on Instagram that are so <laughs> other things. But where does like that is not enough to give us joy in this time period. Yes. And when we're able to be focusing, like you said, in Philippians 4, just about thinking on things that are lovely and pure. Well, how do we do that in a time where we're just bombarded by news outlets and media, just everything, everything's all in your face. But the reason that Renee can say that and I can say that is because we know that there is a goodness, a goodness that is so good that even in this time period right now, still is good. Oh, absolutely. And then you can joy like a boss. <laughs> right? <laughs> and something that was, um, that I've always said, I've dealt with a bit of harassment over the years. And something that came to mind recently when I was talking it through with um, a mentor of mine and kind of came out of it was, you know, if the worst thing that I'm accused of is being too joyful to be that sick well, I should be really proud because I am showing the joy of the Lord. And of course, again, I don't want to also be boastful in that, but it is a great encouragement to me to know, okay, that's amazing that other people are able to look in and say something is different about her. That is how all of us as Christians should want to be, that we meet each other and we're like, wow, there is something different. I have never met someone with the same type of compassion as Renee. And we sat down and we were in a conference room that was packed with people. I don't know if you fully remember, we were eating lunch and it was just yes. like, there were people everywhere. Yes. And it didn't matter what was happening or how loud the room was. Cause it was very loud. You think of all these women in ministry in one room together eating lunch. It was very <laughs> overwhelmingly loud. <laughs> But you and I sat down and we just locked eyes and we had such a good conversation. And it was like, all right, like there was a compassion that you had. And that was something where I was able to see Jesus in you in that way. And those are the things that we want to be able to do for people. We want them to be able to go, something is different about you. And that gives us a chance to say, oh yeah, that's Jesus. Well, and that's what I was, you know, that's the funny thing because uh, I was going to say this, but uh, you, you keep beating me to it. And <laughs> that was one of the things that attracted to me. That even in your eyes above your mask, I could see. Yeah, guys, uh, I wore a mask before it was cool. Just yeah. saying. I was in need of compromise before this. So. Yes. And besides that, her mask was actually accessorizing <laughs> her, her outfit. It was, it was great. And just, even that is the first thing that caught my attention. And I said, I love your mask. It matches your outfit. And then she, you looked at me and I said, 
look at the joy in her eyes. How can she be so joyful? I'm, I'm really impressed. I need to get to know this, this woman. And so to, to be able to connect with you and to hear, um, hear what that, the fact that your joy was found in the, in God, that was your source. And I said, this girl's got it. This girl's got it. So. Well, the feeling was very mutual and, you know, I hope we can meet up for that conference again, but if not, I'm so glad we have these resources here to be able to talk and catch up. And I think, um, friends, as you're listening and you're thinking, okay, well, how can I do these things? Well, one of the quotes that I've read recently that has just been bouncing around in my brain, um, that I really love. And I guess I just didn't expect it to rain this hard. And that will make sense when I read this quote. Um, but it said, I asked God to get, to help me grow. And it started raining. And I think there are a lot of us, myself included, that have said, well, if XYZ wasn't going on, I could be a better wife. If XYZ wasn't going on, I could spend more time, my more quiet time with God. If XYZ, whatnot. So I think a lot of us for when we thought of 2020 goals, because those were a thing, if people still remember them that we did at the beginning <laughs> of January, um, we made some goals, right? And we started thinking about that. And my word of the year was grow. I didn't really have any big thing about this year, even in my power sheets, I didn't have anything I was hyper-focused on. I just wanted to grow. And we've gotten to this season and I was thinking about all of this and I was just like, I asked him to grow and my goodness, did he give me an opportunity I did not know that I asked for to this extent. But it is true. There is a time that we have, like you were saying, like this is a huge reset. We get to choose how we do things. I even know friends of mine uh, who are quarantined right now, but when they go back to work, they're already planning accountability with their friends and people they know to say, all right, how can I still stay centered in the word of God when I go back to work? Those are the things that we need to be doing and we need to be supporting because we have a chance that we might never get again. Yes. So I think, I think it's important to kind of, um, to kind of summarize what we were talking about, what people can do. Because mm -hmm. I heard so many things that you mentioned, so many. And I, I think it's really important. You said uh, that you asked the Lord to help you grow. It was a quote. Mm -hmm. I asked the Lord to help me grow and it started raining. And boy, did it start raining. And there's so many opportunities that you, you, you didn't really understand that that was part of that request, that prayer. And so we talked about growth. We talked about looking for opportunities to grow. We've, we talked about connection. We talked about listening, really listening, and not with the motivation of, of fixing, but necessarily, but to, but to communicate. Do you want me to fix this? Or you just need somebody to, to, to empathize or to hear you? We talked about context. When you go to find, and, and that, find that time with God, we talked about context and how important it is to understand that when you just take one verse, you don't see the big picture. And boy, let me tell you, when you're grieving a loss, there's a much bigger picture than what one's, one little verse taken out of context can offer. And, and so there, there's so many different things. We talked about not uh, looking at someone's, someone else's loss and, and minimizing it. We talked about making sure that, um, and that 
death and and disease and divorce and and you know pandemics and things aren't uh, on on the the loss scale of in a hundred, you know, and somebody who's just lost the um, their right to go around without a mask is nothing to grieve at. What are you talking about? You know, we talked about so many wonderful things: listening, texting, communicating, reaching out, uh, reading your word, talking to God. That joy, making sure that you uh, connect with the source of joy—that's the Lord—and not waiting until you're full to express. Uh, that, um, you know, gratitude, the count your blessings. Um, we talked about God being an ever-present help in trouble. There is so much to this. There's so much to this. It's wonderful. <laughs> and I I wrote it down as you were talking because I, I think I'm going to take this and run with it. But, you know, um, when you are faced, when you're talking to someone who is facing something chronic and chronic can mean a lot of different things. I think of also death and divorce and other things of that nature as chronic because it stays with you. It is part of what happens to you. And, you know, those chronic things need chronic support. And I think too, um, also we have a lot of time to think right now. And I think sometimes there's too much time on our hands to think. And if, you know, if you're encouraging someone to say, don't minimize your losses, don't minimize your losses, and you're preaching that, make sure you're speaking that truth to yourself. (laughs) Because it is so easy for us to say that to other people and then be like, I'm really sad, but I guess I don't have a reason to be. So I'm just going to kind of bottle this up. That's not helpful either. And I hope you know that we are here to reach out to that there are people from your churches and in your communities and your families that would love for you to say, hey, I am struggling with this right now. Can you just listen? Can I just tell you, I know this loss in the worldly view of things may not seem great, but this is hitting my heart so deeply. And I hope that whoever you're talking to is going to be the first one to, oh, if we're in person, I would grab your hands and I would look you in the eye and I would say, that loss is just as important as all of the others. And I wish I could do that right now. Um, (laughs) So this is that moment. If this is that moment for you, know that your losses are significant. This isn't just about helping other people. This is also about helping you because I know that for myself and I'm sure for Renee, we would not be in this place if we had not had other people that poured into us and helped us when we were struggling. Absolutely. So as you take all of this information that we've given you and you look at different things, I challenge you to think of what you can grow while it's raining right now. And I've talked about it a few times, but something that my husband and I have noticed is that we are laughing. We are laughing. Like I mean the type of laughter we had when we were dating, which literally was almost a decade ago, which is crazy to us now that we started dating almost. It's been quite some time. I think we're we're like eight years, uh, eight, nine years, something like that. So that's crazy to us to be at that place, but we are laughing so much. And we were, we were talking about how we hope that stays that way when yes. it ends. And there are so many things, I mean, between the garden that I'm growing, I know you're growing a garden right. and those are things that are, that we can physically see that are going to grow through this quarantine. But I hope you look at what you can grow from this when we can't leave our homes and also wait in expectant hope that no. you are going to be able to talk to that person again. You are going to be able to go back to church again. You are going to be able to go back to school 
again. But remember, this short-term social distancing might feel like long-term, but there is a hope and a promise in that. And we know that just not only is God faithful so many other times, but we see it right in Jeremiah where he, they were probably in, I mean, talk about needing God. They were going into a place where they knew most of those people receiving that promise were going to die before it came true. And I don't know, I can't say how long we're going to be in this. No one can, but what we can do, we, we do have that choice. And I know it's not all black and white. I know that there are people who are doing amazing things as essential workers and whatnot. And I do not minimize that in any way. We respect all of you that are on the front lines working for us. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. But we also know that this is a chance for you to grow. And it doesn't mean you need to reorganize your whole house and declutter your whole life and become the most like, you know, like spiritually fit person who spends four hours a day in the word. There are little things. Take it step by step. Know that each day is going to be different. Grief is going to happen. And it's not all going to happen perfectly on that linear scale like you were talking about. Right. And as you're grieving and as you're processing, one tiny step can make a huge difference. Even if you have to take that tiny step three different times in the same day, <laughs> I encourage you, put that foot forward. Get that toe over the line. You can do it. <laughs> yep. And, and we talk a lot about little victories here. And, you know, I can say my victory two weeks ago, when I fell in, or it was more than a couple of weeks ago, but I had dislocated both my shoulders. I remember how exciting it was two weeks later when I brushed my teeth for the first time by myself. And then the next day I couldn't. And then I could the other day. So I literally, like you were saying, I repeated that first step, but it doesn't matter. That was a victory. That was a step ahead. Yeah. That was yes. healing. Yeah. So take all of those little victories to heart and know that we are praying for you. We are available. Um, I'm sure that if I, um, I'm sure that I could let people know if they want to get in touch with you, Renee, um, and just how we can move forward in this. So friends, we are praying alongside you. We're praying with you and for you in this pandemic. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. And Renee, I hope that we can have you back on the show again, because I just feel like we have so many amazing things we could talk <laughs> about, but thank you so much for being on here today and sharing thank your you heart so with everyone. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was fun. All right, friends, well, as you go through grief and loss, I hope that you take these things with you, you take them to heart, and you bring them to the one who knows our hearts, which is Jesus. And we'll catch you next week. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help fund your child's dreams and ideas. But it's not just for college. It's also the trade school savings plan and the books and materials savings plan, even the room and board savings plan. With fewer educational expenses to think about, your kids can focus on what matters, their future. Start saving today to support your child's tomorrow. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. Where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this, you get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair 